from G.K. Chesterton. We have all read in scientific books and indeed in all romances the story of the man who has forgotten his name. This man walks about the streets and can see and appreciate everything, only he cannot remember who he is. Well, every man is that man in the story. Every man has forgotten who he is. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The Christian liturgy reminds us of two important realities, who God is and who we are. Much anxiety in life comes from forgetting or confusing these two truths. When asked, who are you, we typically respond with our names because this summarizes in one word who we are to others. The meaning of a name is richer when there is a history and bond in a particular relationship. As many of you know, my wife and I have a one-year-old son named Caleb. Before he was born, I primarily identified that name with the biblical character from the Bible. Now when I hear the name Caleb, I think particularly of my son. I think of his personality, his mannerisms, and his behavior. We also have other identities tied to our jobs, ideologies, and passions. Some of us identify as single, or as a parent, or a teacher, or businessman. These are all great and good things. But danger and disappointment come when these good identities supersede our ultimate identity as Christians, or as St. Paul likes to say, as those who are in Christ. Christian identity and Christian behavior is for the benefit of the Christian community. When our secondary identities, no matter how good and virtuous they may be, trump everything else in life, things become a mess. This is an easy trap for those of us in so-called helping professions. A doctor whose job it is to save lives has a great identity and vocation. But the vocation becomes an idol when it supersedes his or her identity in Christ. Or perhaps the minister who works 100 hours a week may think he's serving God, but he's helping no one. Christians are people whose status with God has changed because through baptism and faith, they have been adopted into God's family and are now heirs and blessings of all that belong to people in that family. We no longer only benefit from the general love that God has for the world, but we are now partakers of that special fatherly love as his adopted children. By adoption, we now experience sonship, by which both men and women become the heirs and sons of God. As 1 Peter 2 says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The call to Christian behavior is a call to embrace the reality of who we are to embrace our new identity. St. Paul likens it to a set of clothes. 
Through baptism, we take off the old man that serves to represent our old ideologies, our old identities, our old passions, and we put on the new man. In that experience, we died and rose with Christ. Our past, present, and future life is tied up with Christ's life. This is the mystical reality of Christian faith. But sometimes we really like our old clothes. We really like our old heritage and history. I just know myself, my wife wishes I would get rid of many old t-shirts that I love, but are clearly <laughs> beyond. This is where the struggle comes in for the Christian. Like the man in Chesterton's story, we are constantly forgetting that we are sons of God and heirs with Christ. Like the nation of Israel, we desire to go back into our own personal Egypt, the place of comfort, the place where we can forget who we are and forget about all our responsibilities. If you stay back in Egypt long enough, you may completely lose your identity and become someone else, someone you never thought you could be. To be clear, Christianity is not a religion where moral behavior changes your status with God. All is grace. The call to Christian morality is to realize that you are in Christ. You are part of a royal priesthood and a holy nation. The eternal love that God pours out on his son is now being poured out on you by adoption. How do we live as the adopted children of God? How do we pursue holiness? St. Paul's letter to the Colossians gives an excellent commentary on what our sonship means for living the Christian life. He argues that since you died with Christ in baptism, you need to continually mortify your old desires. The life we are to pursue looks like this, from Colossians 3. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. St. Paul sums up his ethical imperatives in the command to love. This is why each Sunday in the liturgy, we are reminded again to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. We hear these words each and every week because they personify our identity. When we stop to remember these words, we forget who we are. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.